Open up your Bibles uh, this morning and uh, to the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 2 and verse 18 is where we're going to begin reading. And we're going to talk about this God, this Jesus, how when he impacts us, we're impacted by Jesus, how he makes all things new. And uh, that is what he's talking about here in these verses. Mark chapter 2, uh, beginning in verse 18 there. Uh, and just join along with me as, as we read God's Word together. And just kind of setting this up in, in verse 18 and, and 19 here. He, he's uh, dealing with some critics. If you remember last week, we talked about those that criticized him because he took Levi or Matthew and he went into his home and he dined with uh, tax collectors and with, with sinners and they were judging him for that. And the judgment didn't stop with that. The judgment continues here in, in verse 18 as uh, they're criticizing him. He uh, says, the disciples of John and the Pharisees were fasting. Now fasting is saying that they were going without eating for a period of time. Uh, now the, the disciples of John were doing that to, uh, to, to cleanse their hearts and everything. The Pharisees were doing that more to be seen by others and to talk about how uh, they were more righteous or more holy than those around them. But they were doing this. And then they, it says in verse 18, they came and said to him, said to Jesus, Why do the disciples of John and of the Pharisees fast? But your disciples do not fast. And so you see the, the condescending tone there that they're, they're basically saying that, you know, Jesus had taught, is, is pointing out the fact that he can forgive sins. And then he's talking about uh, how it is sinners that need uh, a, a, a physician. It is the sick that need a physician. It's sinners that need repentance. And so they're, rather than confessing their sin, they're, they're talking about how righteous they are and, and putting themselves as more righteous, and that the works that they do prove how righteous they are. Now, follow with me with, as Jesus answers them, as we see his response in verse 19. It says, And Jesus said to them, Can the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? He's talking about himself. As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. So he's saying, why do, you, why do they need to fast when God's with them? The day's coming when he'll be gone. God will still be with them, but not in the same way uh, as he is now. He says, and those, then the time's coming when they will need to fast. And by the way, that's today. There are times when we need to pull apart to be with God. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. Here, that was the, Jesus' response. And then, then notice in verse 21 as he begins this revelation of this, this new covenant, this new work that he is bringing. Verse 21, he says, No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, or else the new piece pulls away from the old and the tear is made worse. You don't take a, a brand new piece of fabric and sew it into an old, brittle, uh, deteriorating piece of garment. It'll rip the old. In verse 22, he says, And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, or else the new wine bursts the wineskins, these leather pouches that are old and brittle and dried up. It'll burst them, and the wine is spilled, and the wineskins are ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins. You know, the scripture talks about when Jesus came, he, he talked about that he was coming to establish 
a new covenant. And it wasn't just Jesus' idea. Matter of fact, the Old Testament talks about a new covenant that is coming. And Jesus and, and uh, Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 said this about the work of Jesus. It says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And then in Revelation chapter 21 and verse 5, it says there that, that he who sat on the throne, this is Jesus speaking, he said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Right, for these words are true and faithful. Jesus came to make all things new. Now, in order to understand that, we've got to understand what he means by the old to understand what he is replacing there. We need to understand what the old is. He's not talking about the Old Testament. We use the word old in reference to the Old Testament or this old covenant. He's not talking about that, and he's not talking about the old teaching. The old teaching, matter of fact, points to the new, and it, it prophesies of the new, and it, it points to the new work that is going to be done. It is still true today, pointing toward that. What he's talking about as far as old, he goes back even older than that. He goes back to Adam and Eve, and the, this, when sin entered this world, and how they made the choice to, to choose their own wisdom, and their own knowledge. They ate of the tree of knowledge. They wanted to know things and make the choice for themselves rather than surrendering and obeying God and living a life of surrender to Him. They wanted to be evaluated and choose. And when that sin, that rebellion came within them, it, it, it affected us all. That is the old ways. That is the old man. That is the old that needs to be totally done away with. It is the life of self on the throne. It is the life of doing what feels right. It is the life of, of doing what looks good to others, trying to impress others. It's the idea of, of trying to impress God through religious uh, acts and religious deeds and impressing others through that as well by just keeping the rules. That is a life of bondage. That is a life of fear. That is a life of frustration. That is a life of failure. And it leads to death and to darkness. But God, Jesus came, glory to God, Jesus came to provide a new thing because living that type of life, no man could ever live that. So Jesus, praise his name, came to make all things new, new. And that's what he's talking about here in this passage. That is the impact that Jesus made when he comes into a life, when he sits down upon a church, when he, he moves and he works, he does it in a new way, his way. Now, in order to understand this, the first thing I want us to look at this morning is the old truth. Not the old truth that he came to replace. Like I said, he didn't come to replace that old truth. He came to replace the old man of sin, the old ways of sin, but not the old truth. Because we need to understand what the old truth is, what, what the Old Testament really taught. And I want us to, to look in the book of Ezekiel, this, this old truth in the, in the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel is one of the, the major prophets there in the, in the Old Testament. You go past Psalms and keep going through uh, the, the Isaiah and Jeremiah, and then you'll come to Ezekiel. It's right before the book of Daniel. And Ezekiel chapter 36, there is this this blatant 
prophecy and, and, and foretelling and, and letting us see the heart of God, God's plan. This is written 600 years before Jesus came. This was God's plan all along. Notice what he says here. This is God speaking. Ezekiel 36, verse 26. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I'll take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Now, this idea of flesh, he's not just talking about physical or definitely not the sinful fleshly nature. He's talking about a, a heart that is beating. A heart of stone doesn't beat. But he's talking a heart about a heart that is alive. And then he says this in verse 27. He says, and I will put my spirit within you. And that will cause you to walk in my statutes, and he'll keep my judgments and do them. Understand this, this, this old truth of the new way, the new way. He talks about three things here. First of all, he talks, there's, there's three things that he addresses. First of all, he speaks of a new heart there in verse 26. He says, I will give you a new heart. You see, our old hearts are dirty with sin. They're dirty and decaying with, with sin. And what we need is we need a cleansing. We need a forgiving that we cannot do on our own. We can't live a good enough life to get rid of this old that is, that is there. We need a work of God to cleanse us. We need a work of God to forgive us. And that work is the cross, what Jesus did for us on the cross. That is why David cried out in Psalm 51. He said, God, you must create in me a clean heart. That's the new heart that he is referring to here. The, the idea that, that before the, the glory of God came into the temple, the temple was, was cleansed and purified and everything in there was dedicated unto him and he came into a, a clean temple, a, a holy place to dwell. And that's the way it is with our heart, the new temple of God, that God creates in us a, a new heart. He cleanses our heart, our temple, and he, he moves it out. So we have a new heart, but not only does he speak of a new heart, but he also speaks of a, of a new spirit as well. He says there, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. Now, this is not different acts that he does. It's part of the same act. And, and the same time when a person is saved, he does this. But not only does he cleanse us of, of our sin, but he changes our spirit. He changes our heart. That's what Jesus was talking about with Nicodemus when he said, Nicodemus, you got to be born again, born of the Spirit. You've got to be spiritually changed. You see, this, this old heart that we have is, is, is dead toward God, was dead toward God. And so what do we, we need a spiritual resurrection. We need the cleansing of the cross, and we need the life of the, the resurrection to flow in us. And that's why Jesus came and died and was raised from the dead. He comes in, and he breathes resurrection life into our spirit, and we're born again. And my spirit is made alive to God where it was dead. A new heart and a new spirit, and then he doesn't stop there. In verse 27, he said, and at the same time, my spirit, I will put my spirit within you. So he cleans us up, he gives us a new heart and makes us alive, and then what happens? The spirit of the living God comes within us and lives within us. Remember, this is Old Testament teaching that he's talking about here. 
It's what God has intended all along to happen to us. God himself takes up residence in our hearts, in our spirit, in our life, and he fills my life with him. That's the purpose of the cross and the resurrection. Listen, he, that, to get my spirit, just to, to get the sin out of my life, that, that is what he does, but that's not the end. That's not the goal. The goal is this relationship with God. It is Christ in me, the hope of glory. That is what he saves us to experience. That is the new life. That is the new spirit, this new relationship that we have with us. You see, you can't Fill the old heart with God. Why? Because it's full of sin and death and decay. We've got to get a new heart. We've got to get a, a, a new spirit within us. And then he can come in. It's got to be cleaned out. And so that's what he does. He, he cleanses us so he can live within us. And not only that, but this new heart and this new life, we don't need to fill it up with the old, old us. It's not a habitation for us to enjoy. It's a habitation for God to enjoy, for God to come in and, and take over. I don't fill up my new heart and my new life with my old flesh, my old ways. I give that to God. That's the, the purpose of, of dying with Christ and letting him come in and live within us. Do you get that's, that's the old truth. And that is back, go back to Mark chapter 2. That is what Jesus is talking about here. And that gives us a, a, a fresh approach to Jesus. See, he uses this in the context of fasting, a question about fasting. And he says, you guys don't get it. You're trying to live this old way of perform, performing before God and performing before others to convince others, to convince yourself, and even to try to convince God that you're a righteous person when you can never be that. You need something new. A new heart. A new spirit. And God's spirit living within you is the only way you can walk according to his word and his deeds. Not in your power. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. That's another Old Testament truth as well. So he, he does this in this context of fasting. And so I, I want to speak about this fresh approach as far as fasting. What is this, this fasting that he refers to in verse 18 when he's asked this question? And then again in verse 19 when he talks about the friends of the bridegroom fast. And verse 20 he says this, but the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them and then they will fast in those days. So he's not just teaching here, don't ever fast. But he's teaching something different here. Now, now what is the fasting? The, the word fast literally means to go without. It means to not eat. And so it's the idea oftentimes we're talking about uh, for days or, or for a meal or, or for weeks or whatever. We just do without eating. But but. Uh, as far as this, this new work and as far as what Jesus is talking about here, this spiritual fasting means to, uh, I, I'll just put it in the words of Ron Dunn, uh, who's taught me a lot concerning this. He says, this is, this is what fasting is. Fasting is the voluntary abstinence of satisfaction, of 
from certain physical appetites. So it's, it's doing without not only food, but it may be doing without social media. Don't do that on Sunday morning so you can get <laughs> to this. But it may be doing without social media at times. Maybe doing without TV. Maybe doing just, it's, it's pulling apart from those things. It's distancing ourselves from those things for a spiritual purpose. And that's what Jesus is keying in on here. He's saying, the purpose of fasting is not to be more holy. The purpose of fasting is, 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 is not to, definitely not just to die, and it's not just to, to cleanse yourself and to forsake these things or to cut yourself off from those things. That's, that's the old way of doing it. That's what, what they were doing. Why fasting? It's not just for that, but I tell you what it is for. It is to move into your relationship with God. It is to draw near to God. That's why he says, they don't need to fast now. Why? Because I'm right here with them. But there's going to be trials come into their life. There's going to be a time when they, they stray. There's going to be a time when, when they deny me. There's going to be a time when, when I'm gone and, and they're under great persecution and they're going to wonder if I'm there. That's the time to fast. It's when you need to move near to God. It's when you're led to pursue God by His Spirit. So when do we fast? We fast when something's missing. And so let me, let me just, let's just make some application this way. Is something missing in your life right now? Is something missing in your spiritual life, in your relationship with God right now? It, maybe it was there at the beginning of this pandemic. Maybe it was there a few weeks into it. Maybe it was there years ago and, 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 for whatever reason, it's, it's not there. Is the Spirit of God making you hungry? See, that's, that's the thing about this fasting is that we think fasting makes us hungry. No. Fasting is a response to spiritual hunger, spiritual thirst. When you're starving to death spiritually, cut yourself off from everything else and pursue the Spirit of God. That's what fasting is. That's what Jesus is talking about here. He's talking about, this is, the, I mentioned that verse in Ezekiel. This is the work that God has done. And when you're not experiencing the fullness of that, then, then, then get away from the things of, of this world and go after God. You see that, we think that the answer is cut myself off from this and that. No, the answer is go into God. The answer is move in with Him. The answer is pursue Him, to seek Him with all your heart. And when you seek Him with all your heart, you will find Him. See, sometimes we seek after him, but not with all our heart. We just want him, okay, God, speak to me in the next five minutes so I can get on with my show or get on to what I want to do. I got, I got five minutes, God, for my quiet time, and then I've got to go get ready for work, and then I've got to go do this and get on with my day. You'll never be fed that way. You'll never find the satisfaction that comes from your relationship with Christ that way. And I know that every day we may not have extended time to just get along with God, although we got 24 hours every day. But there are times when we need to pull away and spend an hour with God, spend a couple of hours with God. 
Is that where you are? You know, we talk about this social distancing and how that's supposed to protect us. And, and obviously, I mean, mathematically, logistically, scientifically, if you're not around those, if you're staying, keeping your distance from those who might be sick, you're less likely to get sick. That just makes sense. Unfortunately, often what we do is we socially distance ourselves from God and dive into the things of this world. When really we should be distancing ourselves from the things of this world, but that's not the goal. The goal is to dive in with God. You know, you're to, you're to be socially distanced from those that aren't a part of your household, but those that are a part of your household, then you can, you can get close with them and spend time with them, and that's the way it is with God. You're a part of the household of God, and you need to get with him. That's a fresh approach that he's talking about. Now, let's just sum this up in these verses here with this new life that he's talking about, this, this glory, this Christ in me, the, the hope of glory, as he talks about. First of all, he talks about these new wineskins that are here. In verse 22, he says, No one puts new wine into old wineskins, or else the new wine bursts the wineskins. In other words, this, this walk with God, you're not trying to put into this performance. You're not trying to use your relationship with God to make yourself look better in the eyes of this world uh, that people might applaud you. It's not meant to feed your flesh. The Spirit will never feed your, your sinful flesh. That is not what it is about. And it, it goes on here, he says, the wine is spilled, the wineskins are ruined, but new wine must be put into new wineskins. This new heart, this new spirit, this, this work of God. The old life is a, a life of performance, trying to impress ourselves and impress others and impress God. The new life is, is what Jesus does for us, where it is done not to impress God, but as a love response to God. Just because we're hungry for God and we're thirsty for Him, we're starving for, for Him and our, our, love, our love relationship with Him. That is, that's what he's, we need, we've got this new skin. Do you have this, this new wine skin? He talks about the, the new cloth there that, that he brings. And so that, that is him. It's not just cleaning the old. We need something new. We need something totally new within us where we are clean and we're given new life. That's the new wine skin. But not only does he talk about new wine skin, why do you have these new wine skins? to be filled with the new wine. That's the whole purpose. Our purpose is not to be a beautiful wineskin. Our purpose is not to be an impressive wineskin. Our purpose is to provide the new wine to those that need him. We're just simply vessels. That's why, that's why we're called upon to, to just be a vessel in his hand, just clay in the master's hand, to just be a a, a to be a living sacrifice unto God is because it's not about us. It's about him. And he is the new wine. He is what, what fills up. New wine is put into the new wineskins. That's what he says there in, in verse 22. I, it's not me filling myself up. It's not my wisdom and, and my experience and my personality and my giftedness. But it is Jesus in me. I must die. I must decrease. He must increase. I must die. He must live in me. Be filled with it. And that, that's the analogy that Paul used in the book of Ephesians, talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit. What does he say? He says, don't be filled with wine. Don't be drunk with wine. The wine of this earth, the wine uh, of this world that we live in. But be filled with the Spirit of God. 
Let him take over our lives. It is the Holy Spirit that comes within us when we're saved and indwells us and empowers us and fills us and lives through us and leads us in our lives. Be filled with the new wine of God. That, that, that is what brings glory unto him. And then there's this new relationship that he talks about. Back up in verse 19, what does he describe himself up as the bridegroom? The bridegroom, and, and he uses this relationship on purpose. He doesn't go into a lot of detail here. He'll mention more about it later on in, in his teachings about what it means, what he meant by him being the groom. And that's, it's obvious that he's talking about himself because they said, why do your disciples not fast? And he said, can the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? What's he saying? He says, I'm the groom. That's what Jesus is saying about himself. You see, back then, nowadays, when we do a, a, a wedding, what's the focus upon? The bride. I mean, Isla has, uh, my granddaughter's got that, the weddings that we brought her to here in, in this sanctuary and everything. That, that's what she's always looking for, and the bride. And the bride comes, oh, isn't she beautiful? That's what she'll say and stuff, because the focus is often on the bride. Listen, back then, there, there was some focus on the bride, but the, the primary focus was on the groom. The bride was just was becoming a part of the groom's family. The bride and the groom would continue, would carry on the name of the groom's family. The focus is supposed to be, uh, in, in this instance, what he's talking about here is that he is the groom and the focus upon him. And, and, and he loves us and he cares for us, yes, but he is the one that gets the glory. We're making his name famous. We're expanding his family. We're giving him the glory. This is about him. And so when they had the big wedding celebration, yes, they celebrated the bride, but primarily it was a celebration of the groom and his family and how the blessed, how they were blessed and how they were, their name was lifted up and their name would expand in, in the community and in the area there. And so that's what we're to be about. This new relationship with him is, is not only that we're, we're here to give him glory and we can't do that in our own power. That's why we need new wine. That's why we need to be new wine skins. That's why we need a new heart and a new spirit and his spirit, the spirit of God living within us. is because we can't do this on, on our own and we want to bring him glory so it's through his power and his strength that we're able to, to bring this glory. But then he turns around. He uses the picture of the groom. Why? Because it shows love. His love for the bride, which is the church, which is us, which is you and me. He loves us like a groom loves a bride. He gave his life for us to demonstrate his love for us. And that's why I embrace this new life and this new work and this new purpose and this new glory is because of his great love for me. Do you get it? Do you see what he said? That's how Jesus impacts us. He makes, he loves us, he is gracious toward us, and he comes in and he makes all things New, new. I pray that we'll dive into that relationship. And if your relationship with God has grown stale and barren and lifeless and loveless, I encourage you.
to distance yourself from the world and dive into your relationship with God. Draw near to God. Take some time, even this afternoon or tonight. Maybe go to Psalm 51, which is the greatest psalm of repentance there is. Psalm 51. And just meet with God alone. On your back porch, on your chair, wherever you might be. And just get along with God. And pour out your heart before God. And let God pour out his heart before you. This is Doug Ferris, and I'm blessed to be the pastor at Underwood Baptist Church. Thank you for listening to our podcast, and it's our prayer that you'll do more than listen to a sermon or gather religious information. We want you to encounter God, and we pray that he will impact your life. If you'd like to contact us, go to our website at underwoodbaptist.org, and all our contact information is there. We hope you're blessed through today's message.